0: Last time you hear that and that Ephesians 1, let's look at verse 12, and 13 and 14. God's purpose, this is from the NLT, God's purpose was that we Jews who were the first to trust in Christ would bring <laughs> praise and glory to God. And now you Gentiles have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, He identified you as His own, or put His seal on you, by giving you the Holy Spirit, whom He promised long ago. The Spirit is God's guarantee that He will give us the inheritance He promised, and that He has purchased us to be His own people. He did this so we would praise and glorify Him. Let us pray. Lord, we thank You for Your holy Word. Lord, Your Word that is for us. And so this morning, would You apply Your Word to our hearts, Lord. And may we respond in faith and obedience, we pray. In Jesus' name, Amen. So it was a little Sunday comic strip that showed a little boy at church, and the preacher was up there speaking, and all he could hear you know, in the comic strip was blah, 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 like most kids could, right? Or, or you did, or then I did, even if it was my dad. I just heard blah, blah, blah for the most part. But then he hears the, the pastor uh, say something that, that really gets his attention. So he turns to his mother and he says, uh, Who is the holy Spirit? I thought about Bobby, really, because the spearmint gum. When I read that, I, I thought... I thought, wow, that's, um, that's something our kids would have. Who's the Holy Spirit, man? you know? <laughs> and his mother said, no, it's the Holy Spirit, not the Holy Spirit, man. Um And it got me thinking about this passage here, which tells us that God has given us His Holy Spirit. It was what His plan was from the beginning. From long ago, this was God's plan. And now it's been fulfilled, and now we have access to the Spirit. And yet we still don't understand who the Holy Spirit is. We, we get it wrong. We don't know who He is. We, we get Him wrong. We confuse Him. There's a lot of confusion. He's kind of the unknown member of the Holy Trinity. We, we're, we're comfortable with the Father. Uh, we're comfortable with the Son, a father-son relationship. We can get that. But where does the Spirit fit into that? And then where does the Spirit fit into our lives? And who is He? And what is He here to do? Um, today I want to talk to you about Really, God's guarantee to us, our guarantee as Christians, who is the Holy Spirit? So, first we start with really by really saying exactly what Paul says here to the Ephesians, and that is, it was God's plan from the very beginning to send His own Spirit. Now, if you think with me back to Genesis, which you know I've said before, Genesis is kind of the framework. One, 1 through 3 really is the framework for the entire Bible. Everything is set up in those three chapters. You have a perfect creation, a good creation, and then you have the fall, and then you have God already providing for them in chapter 3. And He provides and does the same thing all the way throughout until you get to Jesus Christ. So you kind of have three acts if you want to think of, of it like a play. Act 1 is in the garden. And from there all the way to Christ, God is providing for the world. Providing uh, a witness in the world in Israel who has God's Spirit. Then in Christ, who Christ again meaning the anointed one, anointed with what or who? The Holy Spirit. The act two really happens in Bethlehem where as we affirm in our creed, We believe that He was conceived by the Holy Spirit. Born of the Virgin Mary. In Bethlehem, which is the incarnation of Christ. God in the flesh. uh, For all eternity. He doesn't just take it on temporarily and cast it off. He still has His body. Right now, as we affirm, He is seated at the Father's right hand. In a place of authority. No other religion in the world believes anything like that. They believe that gods can take on avatars, and then they lay those aside. Jesus takes on flesh forever. He still has the wounds from His earthly life. He is a human, and yet He's God. That is radical. And that's good news for us because it means that He can reach us. But the third act, as you know, happens in Jerusalem, which is what we're in the season of now, which is Pentecost. So you have Eden, Bethlehem, Jerusalem. And from there to the world, the Holy Spirit is given to all people. The Holy Spirit is given to essentially equip the church for mission and also to adopt us into the family of God and be in us. We can finally receive God's very Spirit. The same Spirit that rested on Christ. The same Spirit that He breathed on His disciples, and poured out at Pentecost. It's what our, you know, it's what our uh, bulletin has on the front, where the Spirit came down with tongues like fire, with a great wind in the room. Uh, that same Spirit is available to us to live in us. So we ask the question this morning, who is the Spirit? The Spirit is God. Genesis 1. In the beginning, God created. That that one phrase is groundbreaking. One God creates everything. That's radical. In a pagan world, polytheistic world, in the world even now, that's radical. Alright, verse 2, the Spirit of God hovers over the face of the deep. So even there you have a distinction between the God that creates and the Spirit who hovers. So the Spirit's mentioned in verse 2 of the Bible. (laughs) And you know where else he's mentioned? At the very end of the Bible. Where the Spirit and the Bride, who is the Bride of Christ, says, come Lord Jesus. Come quickly, Lord. And all in in between, you have the Spirit. Now we don't have time to, to go through all the Old Testament passages to look and say, hey, where's the Spirit in the Old Testament? But you guys remember the stories where the Spirit comes upon the Judges. And they have power. Where the Spirit comes on the prophets. And they're able to speak the word of God. And correct the people of God. Even on the kings. The Spirit rests on them. To make them. uh, Exactly what they need to be for that time. Such as David. Such as Saul. And the Spirit leaves Saul. When he sins against God. And is no longer the chosen one. And you know, that same Spirit that we read in the Old Testament is the Spirit that can live in us. What a powerful thought that is. And yet, we kind of treat the Spirit weird. I don't really like to understand this mutual indwelling. How can, you know, how can Christ be in us? He tells us by the Spirit. He is the Spirit of Christ. The Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit. Spirit. He has many names. He's Spirit. And what does the Bible say about God? God is Spirit. Now, just to, just to kind of juxtapose two things, the pagan myths, they all say that everything comes from the material world. The material world is all there is. So you get the spiritual within the material. So the material creates the spiritual, essentially. Whereas in the Bible, God is Spirit. There is no matter. He creates all matter. It goes in the exact opposite direction. So the Spirit is not anti-matter. The Spirit likes your body. He wants to dwell in your body. Now, this is something, this sounds very metaphysical, I know, and this is why I want to bring it back home to something that hopefully we can all agree on. And that is this. When I think about how can God dwell in me, how can, how can He be in my heart as we speak to children? And say, you, know, you need Jesus in your heart. Jesus needs to be in your heart. And even, even Paul, he comes to several people and acts and says, have you received the Spirit yet? He said how, how can we receive the Spirit? I don't understand that. Is it f- something physical? Well, He's Spirit. So it's not something physical. But let me, let, me, let me give this to you and see uh, if this can help. When I'm at school... Um, and, I'm at, and I'm at my office, and I'm working on things, and I'm away from my family. Well, I miss those little guys, and I miss my little gal that I have. They're, they've been given to me. They've been entrusted to me. Uh, we are one, and we've produced others. And we're a family. That means something. I mean, I, I think about that curly hair of Bo's, and I just want to grab him up and smell of it, especially after he's had a bath and doesn't have food in it anymore. Um <clears throat> I, I wanna I want to grab my little guy and just and just give him a big hug. Because in a real way as I sit in my office, I carry them in my body. Where else do I carry them? I carry them in my thoughts. I carry them truly in the center of my soul. Because your soul is located in a body. My soul's not out here. I'm in here, which is why when you, you look at me, I, I'm over here. My thoughts are coming from in here. You know, my feelings are generated somewhere in here, which is why when something bad happens, you get that sinking feeling here. It's at the center of your soul. Your soul is in here. So, you know, Christopher, when you go to work, Bobby, Deborah, you carry people in your, in your soul. I don't know any other way to put that. In the same way, God wants to dwell in here. And you must relate. It really is about relationship. That's not dated. That is, that is reality. Reality. Christianity is about a relationship. And relationships dwell in the soul, in the heart. That's why it hurts so bad when people hurt us. We hurt in here, physically. And people get sick sometimes when they, when they grieve. Because it hurts so bad. So I'm saying there's a, there's a symbiosis, there's a relationship between your body and your soul that, that is Real. We act like the spiritual sometimes isn't real. And that the only thing that matters is the physical. I'm saying, no, 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 no. Those two, soon as soon as Christopher loses his soul, that's it. We're going to say bye to him and put him in the ground. Now, we don't want that to happen. But we'll, we'll look, that's, that's the reality. As soon as you separate the soul from the body, it's over. Game over. And in the same way, God wants to dwell in us. That's why, the, that's why the scripture is so clear. We have to be found in Christ at the day of judgment. How are we found in Him? To truly relate to the Holy Spirit. That's why we have to know Him. It's why we have to, it's okay to pray to the Holy Spirit. We pray to Jesus all the time. A lot of us start our prayers with Father. It's okay to pray to the Holy Spirit, He is God. The Holy Spirit is not an it. Never refer to the Holy Spirit as an it. You don't refer, unless you refer to Jesus as an it, which He, he doesn't even do. Nowhere in the Scripture is it going to refer to the Holy Spirit as an it. The Holy Spirit is not an it. The Holy Spirit is a he. A pronoun. Not a male. But a person. Just like three persons. And a person can be related to a person can be loved. And the Holy Spirit must be loved in your life. Here's a few things that the Holy Spirit does that I want to make mention of from this passage in particular here. He says here, You Gentiles have heard the truth, the good news, that, saves, that God saves us. And when you believed in Christ, He identified you as His own. He put His seal on you is what the ESV says. He put His mark on you. He initiated you or incorporated you. I looked up that term incorporate. You know, I'm a word guy. I looked up the term incorporate, right? And it's the archaic of that means embodied. So you embody, you unify that one into the whole. You embody them. It's exactly what the Spirit of God does to us. When you come to Jesus Christ and you respond to Him with a yes and amen, You become one with Christ. And subsequently one with His church. You are incorporated into His body. This incorporation happens through repentance and through faith. So when you repent of your sins, and we all have sins, we've all died in our sins at some point. Just now we're talking about this last night. One day Jackson will realize that he is dead in his sins. He can no longer rely on our good works or what he's been taught, but he must meet Jesus Christ face to face. And at that moment, he'll realize that he is dead in his sins, like all of us. Either he will be trusting in his own works, or he'll be like the prodigal. It's the older brother against the younger brother. We're one of the other until we put our faith in Jesus Christ. And that he alone saves us. You have to be saved, which means you have to realize that you are lost. And everybody has to come to that point at some point in their life. After the age of accountability, our children will meet that point. Just as we all did. And they must repent and believe, as all of us have. And they will receive the Holy Spirit at that point. He comes into our lives. He starts working with us in a new way. He's always working. He's working with everybody. That's the good thing about the Spirit is He's been given to all people. There's never a person you have not that you will meet in your life that God is not working in. Now that's an amazing thought. He's He's already there before you speak to them about Christ, and He'll be with them even after you leave. Dr. Kinlaw tells the story of being on a plane, and him and this engineer get into this great discussion about Christ, and you know, they're going back and forth, and then man, he's like, Oh, dang. You know, we got five more minutes, and the plane lands, and then we're off. And he and he just he said they parted ways and he really wanted to talk to the guy more, and the guy's like, Man, I, I'm sorry, I really gotta go. This is a great conversation, blah, you know, but I, I gotta go. And he felt like a failure. He's like, Lord, I failed. I, I wasn't able to pray with him, I wasn't able to do it, and, and the Lord said. You did exactly what I wanted you to do. I just needed your help right there. I've got it from here on out. It's not all up to you. God is working in the people around us. And He's going to interject us in at certain points. If we're conscious of this, if we're, if we're sensitive to His Spirit, He will use us at certain points to help. But we are not in charge. I, you know, I am not in charge of your own response to Jesus Christ. I can only cheer you on, help encourage you, be an advocate for you, come alongside you, but I can't ultimately make that decision. That is your decision. We can create the environment here at this church to receive the Spirit, but you have to respond to Him. And I'm afraid that a lot of times in our very materialistic world, we, we forget about the Holy Spirit living within us. There's another person that's with us always. And this is why we pray without ceasing. It's, it's, it's almost like a conversation that is always going on. He incorporates us through repentance and faith. He also, as, as it says here, has chosen us. Just as He chose the Jews, He now chooses us. He elects us. He says, Casey, I want you. you know, Jessica, I want Marshall. I want you. Jasmine, you are my girl. I have chosen you by name. And that's where in the Scripture it tells us He has given us all a special name. Just like I've given all my children a special name. Jason, Frank, and Big Bubba. Yeah, right, for this month at least it's been that way. He's given us a special name. He calls us by name. He knows us. And we forget that, I forget that specialness that the Holy Spirit, He knows more about us than Jessica knows about me. Why? Because He's been with me in places that she hasn't. He knows the mind of God. It's what Romans 8 says. When we don't know what to pray, He prays for us because He knows our heart and He knows the heart of God. He prays alongside of us. We're never alone. We're never alone. And what good news is that? In any situation in life, we are never alone. No one can ever take the Holy Spirit away from you. No one, you know, they torture people and they've martyred people, and those people are going to death praising God. Why? Because you cannot take the Spirit of God away from someone. Even today, people are being martyred for their faith. He has chosen us. He also assures us. That's what really he means here by he has identified us as his own. He assures us that we are his children. There's an inner assurance where inside we know we are right with God. And we have felt that feeling when you come to Christ for the first time, it is a joyous occasion. You are stoked. I mean, you are pumped. Because you know you are right with God. You know what you're doing is right. But there are times when we doubt. And so He gives us an even more su- a surer sound sign Sorry, than just an inner assurance. And that is through baptism. In baptism by water, we are marked as disciples of Christ. This is we saw last week. Marked as a disciple. Christ says, You are my own. I'm going to do everything in my power to be here for you. You have all the promises of the of the Bible, and you also have the, you have the assurance of the church. You have the family of God. You are now a part of this family. Uh, and when you become a part of a family, that means certain things. Just like if you become an Alabama fan, that means certain things. It means you're going to like crimson and not orange. Uh, crimson and not, you know, Georgia Bulldog red. That means certain things. And it means certain things when you come into the faith, into the family of God. It means certain things. Not only that, He gives us not only baptism, one baptism... But also, He gives us the Eucharist, which is the Lord's Supper. Eucharisto is a Greek term that literally means to give thanks. I love to hear Bob pray because he typically begins it with giving thanks to God. Why is that so important? Because nothing is really ours. It's all God's. He made up this whole world. He's given us the gifts that we have. He's given us the people that we know. He's given us this church. His church. And our only response really is thankfulness. That's exactly what is, what's the Eucharist. The Lord's Supper is thankfulness. Receive it with thankfulness. It's why we say a blessing. We don't say a blessing. I had this wrong for many years. We don't say a blessing because we're trying to uh, protect ourselves from getting sick from the food. A blessing, Jesus' blessings have nothing to do with that. Instead, a blessing is to say, Lord, this food was provided by you, not by me. Thank you, Lord. That's a whole different orientation to life if you look at your job, if you look at your wife, if you look at your friends and kids in the house with that kind of thankfulness. It all comes from God's Spirit. Who's in charge. So he gives us these signs of baptism, of the Lord's Supper, and this inner assurance. But he also gives us signs such as fellowship. When I sit down, when I see Baths and we connect, there is a kindred spirit between us. Why? What is that? That's the Holy Spirit. We know the same person. It's a point of mutuality. Of agreement. You know, when I sit down and have conversations with some of you guys. And we get down and dirty with accountability. When we leave that place, we feel like we've been in the presence of God. Because we have. We share the same spirit. Even when I meet new people. You know, sometimes in some of my classes, you know. There will be certain people that I can just... There is something there. What is it? It's the Spirit of God. That's who it is. both agreeing in our spirits, hey, boy, he's a brother in the faith. She's a sister in the faith. We can identify that. Now, I know it's subjective. That part is subjective. But our feelings are a real part of us. And so God even works in our feelings. He doesn't just always work in our head. We like to leave it up here. He works in our whole body. We can feel the Spirit of God sometimes when we are praying. Now, it doesn't mean that when you pray and you don't feel something, that He's not there. I'm just saying sometimes you feel the presence of God heavier than other times. It doesn't mean you leave the service and say, Well, I didn't feel the presence of God today. You know, don't base everything on feeling. You know, I don't leave Jessica and say, Well, we had a great day. I didn't really feel love today. Or I didn't feel this or that. Our marriage is not based on feeling. Thank God. Because she would have probably already scooted down. That's right. Check out. (laughs) You know. Um, But we don't base it on feeling. But at the same time, there is a real thing of feeling. There are times that you can think about in your own marriage. In your own relationships with friends. Where you just... I mean, it... It's just right. That's what I'm saying about the Holy Spirit. There are times when you know it's just right. Also, changed behavior. When you receive the Holy Spirit and He begins to work in your life, one sign that you have the Spirit is a changed life. Changed behavior. You don't do the things you used to do. You have power over certain temptations that you struggle with. There's a power that's given by the Spirit, when you live in the spirit that is not from you. There's also a love that is given for other people. I used to not tolerate certain things, but, but now, even, even Jessica knows, who she knows me more than, more than you guys, I can tolerate certain people now for some reason. Why is that? Because I've prayed to the Holy Spirit to help me. I knew I needed help with those certain people. And I have a grace there that seriously is not from me, but is given directly from God. That's a sign. That's a sign that you're progressing in the Spirit. There's an inner confidence when we're living in Christ. That is there. It's not a. It's not a um, thing of pride at all. It really brings one to a humble place where you know that you are right with God. That's a good place to be, guys. There are people who lay their head down every night that do not know that they are right with God. Some of them knowing specifically they are not right with God, and it is an ease of the soul, a rest for the soul. To know that you are His and He is yours. There's a peace that only He could bring. And also, He brings the Christ life to us. He makes Christ real in us. If we're to ever be Christian, if we're to ever be like Christ, if we're to ever love our wives, love our children, love our friends, Uh, be the church we need to be, we have to have God's Spirit. The Spirit of Christ. The Spirit that makes us holy. And if we don't, we'll never, ever be the husband we need to be. The wife we were called to be. The mother, the father, the friend, the son. The church. The worker. Because only in God... Is true life, true love, faithfulness. You'll never be faithful without God and His faithfulness. Do you know God's Spirit? Do you, as Paul said uh, to the people in uh, in Acts, have you received the Holy Spirit? And they say, oh, "We've not even heard of the Holy Spirit." Have you grieved? The Holy Spirit. Have you quenched the Holy Spirit in your life? There's been times where we've all done that. We've ignored. We've quenched. We've, we've stopped His work. He has His finger on something and we're saying, no, I'm not going to deal with that right now. Are you willing to embrace Him today? Are you willing to receive Him today? Be who He's called you to be. You've been marked. You've been sealed. We have a guarantee that what we have been promised, we can get a foretaste of right now. We can live in heaven in our souls. We don't have to live in turmoil. We don't have to live in doubt. We can have the confidence that only the Spirit of God can bring to us. We can have power over sin. That's what Christ came to do overcome sin and the works of the devil. This morning, receive the Spirit. I'm going to...